This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. to a Monday edition of In the Zone here on Sports Radio, 1150 KSAL, 106.7 FM as well. If you want to check out the crystal clear sound on the FM dial, I am Jackson Schneider with James Wessling. As per usual, we're here to discuss all the crazy happenings from one of the wilder weekends in sports in the last few months. Uh, I know college football was pretty crazy a couple weeks ago, but there was more craziness this last weekend. James, do you want to start with K-State? Do you want to start with KU? Where do you want to begin? But let's start in college. I love college. I say we could start with either one of these programs because in the AP Top 25 poll that just came out last night, K-State checks in at number 25 and KU, the first team out at number 26. It has just been really a, a, an incredible season for both of these teams through the first month, as you noted. Uh, I think you'd have to probably go back. The last time that both of these teams were this good, you'd probably have to go back to the mid-90s. K-State and KU played, I believe it was 1995, with both teams ranked in the top 10. Because you got to remember, even though KU during their Orange Bowl season with Todd Reesing and Kerry Meyer, etc., K-State was really down. That was the Ron Prince era of K-State football. So both teams being this good, it's probably been since the mid-90s. And man, it has just been fun with K-State pulling the upset against Oklahoma and KU continuing their dominance with a win over Duke. Now... <laughs> It's interesting, right? Because we've heard nothing for the last week but rank Kansas, right? Like they were 3 and 0, they had two really good road wins, and they they are playing one of the most exciting brands of football right now in the country. Uh, and they found a way to win again against a team in Duke that I think is very slept on. I don't think people have discussed enough how good in fact that Duke team actually is and can be this season. Uh, but with that said, Kansas is now 4-0 and for the first time since 2009 and gets leapfrogged by Kansas State, who was fresh off of a loss against Tulane. But because of that upset win over Oklahoma, K-State again leapfrogs KU. When's the last time both of those teams have been ranked? Because I, for my, for my memory, I'm only 26, but I don't remember them ever being ranked at the same time. And I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it yeah. has. But yeah. I have no idea. So I've got, I've got two that, that pop into my head. First is the mid-90s, um, which was my childhood. You know, I can remember KU and K-State having a top 10 matchup. But the, the second would be, I don't remember the exact year. I think it was 2008, the year that K-State had Josh Freeman at quarterback. Ron Prince was the coach. K-State was in the top 25. And KU was, I believe, ranked. It was the year that KU went on to win, win, win the Orange Bowl. But early on in the year, both teams were 4-5, and 5-0, five, well, five oh, something like that. It was early on in the season that they actually played each other, and KU went into Manhattan and beat K-State and really sent K-State into a tailspin the rest of the season. They didn't even make a bowl that year. Um, so I, I, those are the two years that come to mind. But I think you know KU not being ranked, I, I – I understand the frustrations 
there are a lot of teams with lesser resumes ahead of KU in the polls. But I think that, you know, those teams were preseason ranked highly because of what they had done last season. And so KU, in some ways, fair or unfair, is being penalized for where they started this year. With that said, you know, KU, I believe their most impressive win is at West Virginia week two. West Virginia just stomped Virginia Tech over the weekend, 33-10. to 10. At Houston, you know, Houston's struggling. They're barely 500. They beat a, a Portis Rice team by seven over the weekend. And I think Duke is better, but we don't know how much better. And KU wins that one by eight, uh, a game that was somewhat close. So I think KU, what I'm getting at is based off their body of work and the teams they've beaten, I think they're appropriately positioned uh, where they should be, around 25th. I will say... I found um, two notes here. One is that when K- in 2007, KU's Orange Bowl year, they weren't ranked, were not ranked, until after their 5-0 and start. They won their fifth game, and they jumped from just outside of the top 25 to actually 20th. So it was like a sizable jump for them to get into the pool, and obviously they ranked, they went up there uh, throughout the season and got, I think, as high as number one or two, right? Yeah. But in my searchings for that, I have now found the last time that K-State and KU were both ranked in the same poll. And it was a matter of fact, the second week Kansas was ranked. So now when Kansas was 6-0, and they jumped up a few spots from 20 to, let's see, 19, 18, 17, 16, to 15. And Kansas State got into the poll at 25. They were previously ranked at 24, but a loss... To make them three and two, drop them out. They won to go four and two and get back into the pool, and then K State that next week would drop out of the this pool is 07, for good. Right? Yes, two thousand seven yeah, because that was the year that they won at Texas. Jordy Nelson went nuts. K State had a yep. huge day on special teams, and so yeah, they were four and two and they jumped back into the pool. Yep. Yeah, that that's the one. So week seven, October fourteenth of two thousand seven was the last time. Per my research, and I, again, I've been wrong before. I'm sure I, I could be wrong here. But the last time K-State and KU were both ranked inside of the AP Top 25 was, again, week 7 of the college football season of 2007. And we could be one week away from them both being ranked in the top 25 again. Now, it certainly won't be easy, but I don't think there's any reason you couldn't have that opinion because uh, K-State, again, obviously just beat Oklahoma on the road and put up, without question, their best game of the season by a mile, a couple miles at that. And KU, again, obviously took care of business and they're still undefeated. Now, KU will host Iowa State on Saturday, at uh, 2.30, I believe, and K-State hosts at 11, Texas Tech. Um, Iowa State is coming off of a close loss at home, their first loss of the year to Baylor, and Texas Tech just upset Texas at home, uh, so they're feeling pretty good right now, are the Red Raiders, but a uh, couple of not easy games, but I will say for both K-State and KU's sake, they are both now winnable games. Now, I would have told you a month and a half ago that that would have possibly been a winnable game for Kansas, but it was going to be a long shot. Here I am as they are now 4-0 and on the season. I feel that it is not a long shot whatsoever for them to beat Iowa State. However, it will be unquestionably their best win of the season if they do it. 
Agreed. Mm -hmm. And I'll be surprised if KU isn't favored in that game. We'll have to take a look. They are actually three-point dogs. Three-point dogs at home. Okay. So I knew it would be close. But uh, I'm going to start with K-State because it's fresher on my mind. I missed both games on Saturday, but I was stuck at the Denver airport for six hours yesterday. <laughs> and so I watched the K-State game before my phone was on the verge of, of dying, on the verge of death. I was shattering screen time records yesterday at the airport. Um, so I watched the K-State-Oklahoma game, the no-huddle version, which is just awesome. And my initial impressions are whatever um, – happy juice they gave Adrian Martinez, he was a completely different player. And I think that probably throughout the course of the week, Colin Klein and Chris Kleiman, and I'm going to guess this entire offense led by Deuce Vaughn because he's kind of turned into a vocal leader for K-State, I think rather than tear each other down for what went wrong against Tulane, this team, and Adrian Martinez specifically, needed a confidence boost. And Adrian Martinez, that was the biggest thing that stood out to me as he looked um, like a commanding presence. He just looked confident out there for the full four quarters and delivered in a big way. Um, five touchdowns, four on the ground. He had 148 yards rushing, averaged seven yards per carry on 21 attempts, only had 13 incompletions. He was 21 of 34, 234 yards. Folks, those are uh, electrifying numbers. Those are, are all Big 12-type numbers. And I, I just... Again, kind of think in the back of my mind that he was told all week that you can do this and that you're our guy and we brought you in because you are a baller. Now let's go show everybody. And it's frustrating to think back to the Tulane game because if K-State wins that game, um, K-State's probably in the top 10 right now. I don't know. I, I wouldn't 25th. go that far. I, They'd I, be pretty dang close. I would solidly put them in the top 15. I thought about this a lot on Saturday night. I'm telling you that right now because it does. It's It was right there in my brain, but I, I just don't think they would have been a top 10 team yet. They, I, I think anywhere in the top 15 would be perfectly – we could play woulda, coulda, shoulda yeah. all day on this. But I still think that that win right there solidifies that K-State is absolutely a contender. And it stinks because if they had won that two-lane game, not only are we still affirmed in that belief, but we're talking K-State has a dark horse shot – to not only compete for the Big 12 title, but they're in the conversation college football playoff, for the college football playoff. Oh, you said it. No, I don't disagree. You're right. And, and now, the Tulane loss, you could run the table the rest of the way. It's going to keep you out of Absolutely the college Absolutely it playoff. is. But the bottom line is, let's think positive here. K-State showed me that there's not a team left on their schedule that they aren't capable of beating. This defense is the real deal. Oklahoma, sure, they had a lot of yards, but a lot of those yards came in that final drive. I mean, a, a good chunk of it, about 70 of those yards, came on that last drive, which was a garbage touchdown. K-State led 41-27 to by two scores with a minute and a half left. All they were doing was trying to kill the clock defensively in their previous defense. Um, this is a legit defense. You and I talked last week about how it was not the problem against Tulane. Safety Kobe Savage ends up winning the Big 12 Player of the Week award, while Adrian newcomer, Martinez, yes. uh, newcomer, uh, was it the newcomer of yes, the week? Yes, newcomer player? of the week. Newcomer, okay, thank you. But still still counts. Yeah, very, a very good award. He, he's <laughs> he's a stud at safety. Um, reminds me a lot of Mario Smith, just the way he, he lays out for defenders. He had 11 tackles uh, in that game. And, uh, yeah, it was good to see the passing game get opened up. Again, like I said, there's just, you know, Phillip Brooks, who we kind of touched on the first couple of games in the season, wasn't getting many looks. He was targeted 10 times and made an impact on special teams. It was just uh, K-State really, I don't want to say dominated, but 
won soundly in all three categories down in Norman on Saturday. Now, um, I'm sorry for bringing up the college football playoff thing, but it's going to sting even more because Tulane lost to Southern Mississippi on Saturday. No, they did not. They did. They sure did. I did not check. They that. lost to Southern Mississippi. I don't want to hear. So that loss now becomes a little bit more ugly. Like, um, how do you overlook a team that much? Because that's clearly what it was. K State didn't want to show anything. It, they got to halftime, didn't make any adjustments. Thought our talent's just going to prevail. It's they didn't hubris, score right? the second and, half. And I, there's a lot of teams, a lot of teams that are guilty of this. I will even throw Georgia out there from this weekend yep. because they, though they won. They did not win convincingly against Kent State. That is a regular occurrence in college football, and it is everyone is guilty of it to an extent. I would argue that right now, maybe Kansas is one of the few teams in the country that does not have that luxury, although they're getting to the point now where they may be able to, on occasion, overlook a team, and it could cost them because they're not good enough yet. But K-State clearly is not good enough to overlook anyone or keep everything close to the vest. Because if they played wide open against Tulane, if they played with a a similar mindset that they just played to uh, uh, Oklahoma against, I have no doubt that they win by like two scores at least. At at least. But that you can't, again, you can't sit here and play woulda, coulda, shoulda. K-State lost that game. And I think ultimately... Now they are better off because of it, because they know they can't overlook anybody, and they certainly can't overlook teams that they're supposedly better than, i.e. Texas Tech this coming Saturday. Yeah. So K-State's ranked. If K-State had beaten Tulane and lost to Oklahoma, they wouldn't be ranked because Correct. they'd be right where everybody thought they would be. That's a very, very good point. I do want to talk about Kansas a little bit, though, because uh, one thing— you can't overlook when you're talking about Kansas right now is Jalen Daniels. And though he did not win the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week honors this week because of Adrian Martinez, um, he did the week prior and he had another outstanding game. He passed for 324 yards and four touchdowns, rushed for 83 yards and another touchdown. Oh, by the way, his passing completed 19 of 23 passes. That is going to get it done. And through the first now four games of the season, Jalen Daniels has been probably the biggest surprise of the season because of of what he has put together. But in total, he's passed for just shy of 900 yards. He has rushed for over 300 yards, and he has accounted for 15 total touchdowns and one interception. That's a... That is outstanding. Outstanding quarterback play. And this is... The biggest issue that, and there have been a myriad of issues that Kansas has faced over the last decade plus of their ineptitudes, but one of the biggest, if not the biggest issue, is the fact that they have not had a true good quarterback. There have been decent quarterbacks, Ryan Willis being one of them, eventually transferred to Virginia Tech and was very average at Virginia Tech. Um, Montel Cozart transferred to Boise State and was decent at Boise State. There was never a quarterback at Kansas that was good a legitimately good quarterback and they have found him now he and he wasn't always that way i mean you think back to his his first his true freshman season in 2020 he was awful awful and he's used the last two years now to get genuinely better and he is one of the best quarterbacks in the big 12 right now and i will die on that hill well i give a lot of credit to he was actually recruited by david Beatty in, Mm -hmm. in his last season and david Beatty deserves a lot of credit for finding him because he was a hidden gem 
And yes, he's made major improvement, but he has talent that is uncoachable. He does things that are uncoachable, and he did them in high school. He had uh, uh, very similar numbers in high school to what he's putting up at KU. Uh, he went to a, a, a smaller high school just outside New Orleans in Louisiana. Remember, this is when KU was starting to recruit all these Louisiana guys, and uh, they saw something in Jalen Daniels, and, and he has delivered. You know, in terms of his not only just in his in his numbers, but also kind of in the way he plays. Um, and and there's still a lot of season left, and this is a pretty high bar. But he reminds me of Michael Bishop from K State back in the '90s. Wow, just the 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 touchdown to interception ratio, uh, his ability to get out of the pocket and, and make plays with his legs. He's got underrated speed, but he's he's also very strong. Um, I just think there's a lot of parallels there in, in, in the way that those guys are, are operating. Now, Michael Bishop was a Heisman runner-up and took K-State one play away from a national championship. So like I said, that's, that's a really high bar, and I don't think Daniels is quite there yet, but I do see some similarities. What he did on Saturday – uh, accounting for all five of KU's touchdowns, you had his numbers there, over 400 yards of total offense by himself. Uh, and keep in mind, this is a new receiving core. None of these guys were, were starters last year. They lost their best receiver, Kwame Lasseter, to the NFL, who's on the Bengals practice squad. Uh, I think the fact that he has an offensive line is is helping. And also, this is a Duke defense that's pretty stout. Okay, mm-hmm. they, they had been playing some good football. They brought in a coach with a, de- a, a defensive mindset. And so for him to do that on, on that stage against a team that's that's you know not going to win the ACC, but they're going to be in a bowl, uh, a very impressive performance. And this KU train, man, I, I'm not ready to get off yet. I, I think they're going to beat Iowa State on Saturday. It's going to be another sellout back-to-back at uh, uh, Memorial Stadium. You know, I know that Iowa State hung around with Baylor, but they never really had a chance in that game. They never led or anything like that. Baylor kind of controlled the tempo. And I just think that, that KU's explosiveness is going to win them some more Big 12 games. I think they're going to beat Iowa State and start out 5-0. and Kansas has eight games left on their schedule. Four of them are against unranked teams. One of those teams is Texas, so draw your own conclusions. Uh, but outside of that, again, four games remaining against top 25 teams. Um, So still being on the side of caution here, I'm going to say that Kansas has to win one of these next two games. They've got home games against Iowa State and TCU. If they can start 5-1 and and then enter that stretch of what is in on their schedule backloaded teams, Oklahoma on the road, Baylor on the road, Oklahoma State at home, at Texas Tech, Texas at home, at Kansas State to end the year. If you're 5-1 and in that stretch, that's a bowl team in my mind. I don't. I I would feel very confident in saying that they'd find a way to win against somebody in those last six games. I um, I never thought I would be saying that this year, but here we are on uh, September the twenty sixth, talking bowl games for the Kansas Jayhawks. Well, before we take a break, Jackson, I think KU is going to win them both. I think this team's going to beat Iowa State and TCU. Again, even the final score of the Duke game is a little misleading. I mean, you never really felt like KU was going to lose that game. Both games are in Lawrence. I think KU finally has a home field advantage. And then, you know, KU's bull eligible uh, by the second week in October if they win both. It could happen. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, though, um, ask me about the TCU game after this Saturday. No, you can't do that. Because can't do that. Can't do <laughs> because it. TCU plays Oklahoma at home. And although I do think TCU is pretty good, their three wins have come against a 
putrid Colorado team. I know. Uh, they won against Tarleton State, and then their best win of the season was this past weekend. They won at SMU, forty-two to thirty-four. So give give me some time to to just think on the TCU game, but I genuinely do believe they have a chance to win against Iowa State. But I need I need some further assessment on how I, I think that TCU game might shake All right, out. So Oklahoma is going to pound TCU. It, maybe not on the scoreboard, if they do. but physically, okay? Coming off an Oklahoma game, TCU is going to be bruised and battered. Going into Lawrence, KU always seems to have their number in Lawrence for whatever reason. Even when TCU used to be really good, KU would always give them a game. I feel good about it. I feel good about it. We'll see. I, we got to get to a break. We'll talk some NFL when we come back. Some crazy stuff happened yesterday. We'll talk about it here on In the Zone on 1150 KSAL. Zone is powered by Spartan Roofing and Exteriors. They specialize in roofing, guttering, siding, windows, and doors. For both commercial and residential work, you can visit SpartanRoofingAndExteriors.com to schedule a free inspection or a project consultation today. That's SpartanRoofingAndExteriors.com. Jackson Schneider, James Wessling with you here on this Monday evening across the Salina, Kansas area. Lots of NFL storylines that we could talk about from yesterday as well, James. But um, let's start with the Chiefs because I, I know that's what you're itching to talk about because blech. That was gross. <laughs> it was it was one of the more disgusting Chiefs games that I have I can remember watching in a very long time. And to be honest with you, it was really just the special teams. And and I don't feel like uh, people acknowledge how important special teams is until they go horribly, horribly wrong. And that's exactly what happened to the Chiefs on Sunday. The Colts got the ball first, and then the Chiefs defense forced them to a three and out. Quickly, rather quickly. And they punt to Sky Moore, and the rookie makes his first true mistake. He muffs the punt. The Colts recover and immediately score to take the lead early in the game. Then the Chiefs answer, get in the end zone, miss the extra point with the backup kicker, Matt Amendola, who's in place of the injured Harrison Butker. Later on in the game, he missed a field goal. Later on, or in the game after that as well, um, the Chiefs tried a fake field goal because... They had no confidence in their kicker at that point um, because he had missed some things. Um, But all of those gaffes mixed together ultimately led to a Chiefs loss. And there were some costly penalties as well. Uh, Most significantly, the taunting penalty, I think is what it was, on Chris Jones for just talking some smack to Matt Ryan, um, which gave them a first down. It was going to be a fourth down, and they were going to punt. Uh, but that led to the game-winning touchdown with less than 30 seconds left, and the Chiefs did not have enough to come back. But there's a lot of gross stuff we can talk about. Uh, where are your thoughts on this one? Well, before I get into my thoughts, did I hear you uh, in the hallway tell a coworker that your one-year work anniversary is coming up? That's correct. Yes. When is it? 
next week. I got I got to know so I can get you a gift basket. A gift basket. Yeah, we'll get wow. you a gift basket. You okay. Know, some flowers, hearts, and candies. well, I officially started on I believe it was October fourth of last year. Let's go back wow. and check. Time yes, goes by. October fourth of last year, which was a Monday. So this year I am counting. A week from today, I guess, is my one year, even though technically it is Tuesday. But yes, that's correct. It's crazy. Goes by fast. Okay, um, so the Chiefs, you know, I I don't know how they do it, but all the sports betting pundits, um, degenerate nation, they were all over this game. They all thought the Colts were going to cover the spread and maybe even beat the Chiefs. And I was listening to a podcast on my flight thinking, no way. Like, this is a Colts team that just got blanked at Jacksonville, tied with the Texans week one. But in terms of, you talk about the spot in the matchup, and they were right. It was a sleepy spot for Kansas City, coming off two emotional wins. Um, The Cardinals' defense was absolutely depleted. And if Gerald Everett in the Chargers game isn't absolutely exhausted, he doesn't fumble, and the Chargers beat the Chiefs and win that game. So those were two excellent points that they made in reference to this game. Also, the fact that this was Matt Ryan's first home game as a Colt. It was in Indianapolis. Uh, The Colts were on the road the first two weeks of the season. They were coming back home. They were desperate for a win. And teams in that situation in the NFL that started the season with their first two uh, games on the road were like a 70% winner uh, in, in their in their third game at home. So um, they were right. You know, the Chiefs just didn't look didn't look a- a- awake. They were sleepwalking through this game. Um, I felt like the, the missed field goal, you said it was a fake late in the game. Uh, when the Chiefs were up 17 to 10, if you make that kick, you're up 20 to 10, and it's a completely well, different they, game. They, they, yeah, they missed one, and then they faked another was after. the Was the fake the, the late one, late in the game? Yeah. Like, it was like, like, well, I guess it, it would have like been like fourth, late in the third quarter. It was quarter. like fourth and 10, which like normally I'm, I'm not against trying to catch a team sleeping, but it was very right. clearly because of the spot that they were in. It was going to be like a 50-yard field goal. And gotcha. They it clearly, clearly, they had no faith in right. Matt Amendola to make that kick, which I don't blame them for. But I would have rather them try the field goal than the fake yeah. that did not work and yeah. never had a chance. Like this guy is still a kicker. Like he was a kicker in college. He's been a kicker in the NFL. Like you have to be able to find a kicker that can make a fifty-yard field goal when when you're when you're a national, you know, an NFL team. Yep. Um, they're really missing Harrison Butt. And well. I saw a tweet and it was funny, but also like painfully true. They have a safety on the team that had done a, a, had done a pretty good yeah. job of kicking. Yeah. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, I would not have hated them trotting him out for extra points or trying that field goal. Agreed. Because uh, even if you miss it, oh well, you tried to put points on the board and extend the lead or whatever. But the, well, the fake was just atrocious. It really was. The, the, the concerning thing about this game, more so to me than all the stats, and Patrick Mahomes not having a great game, 262 yards, just one touchdown. He had a pick. His quarterback rating was like 78, which is not good. That, that'd be one of the worst showings uh, this, this week in the NFL. The Chiefs couldn't run the ball at all. You know, All that stuff on paper is obviously alarming, but I think the thing that maybe is, is the most scary is the fact that you know Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator calling the plays got into it big time on the sideline and sources close to the situation you know they had to be separated by a staff member uh, in the locker room because Patrick Mahomes I think right before halftime was wanting to be more aggressive yep. 
um, and, they, and and the Chiefs weren't. And then you had some, you know, LaShawn McCoy, who's he's he's a pot stirrer, but he gets on social media and talks about you know all this stuff about Eric Bieniemy and and what the the media sees and the fans sees and what actually happens behind closed doors. I just am concerned that there may be some locker room issues. And if there's locker room issues in the NFL, that's that's not good. Like I, I think the 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 margin for error in the NFL is so slim. Everybody's good that sometimes that can be the difference between a really successful season and a mediocre season. So I hope that Andy Reid will address that this week and and that that gets resolved. I don't. I don't truly. I I do not believe there's any issues. I I think what people saw on TV was just a result of the Chiefs' offense had struggled. There was there was no way. Around that, it was very clear to see that they had struggled. I mean, they had put together what 14 points in the first half is all, um, and they wanted he wanted more. Patrick Mahomes wanted more, and they took one or two shots deep towards the end, and neither of them worked. So Eric Bieniemy said, "Hey, it's all right. Let's go into the locker room, talk it over, and see what we can do in the second half." Patrick Mahomes, being the the uh, self or not self proclaimed, but the the proclaimed competitive prick that even Eric Bieniemy has called him multiple times in press conferences. The competitive prick in Patrick Mahomes wanted to try and score, and they they just told him no, and he didn't like it. And I get that, um, but I, I really don't believe it's I don't believe it's as significant as, as some had made it out to be. Good. Um, but again, I'm not in that locker room, so I don't know. I just I just think the teams, especially teams as competitive and teams that have such a high bar for success, like the Chiefs have built into, when things don't go right, you get frustrated, obviously. Uh, but I don't. I also don't believe that this is a team in the Chiefs that are going to point fingers and, and have issues like that. I think they're going to wake up today, look at the film, realize where they messed up, and, and try to rectify that in this next week because... Um, They've got another big one. They cannot afford to dwell on losing to the lowly Colts because they go to Tampa Bay on Sunday night football. And although the Colts looked a lot better against the Chiefs, I think that the the Buccaneers are going to be even tougher, especially because they are coming off of a loss yesterday. Tom Brady's going to be mad. And Tom Brady off a loss has an insane record, not only against the spread, but wins and losses. Um, So... Yeah, the Chiefs have got to get something figured out on the ground. You know, outside of Mahomes' scrambles, they averaged less than three yards per carry with their running backs. Uh, that wasn't good. But you're right; it's the NFL, and and that's what makes it so fun. Is it's a new season week to week. With that said, you've got an angry Buccaneers team, which has a lot of their own issues. Um, so I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Kansas City bounces back and goes down there to Tampa Bay and avenges that Super Bowl loss. Then you play the Raiders. Uh, McDaniels is already on the hot seat. Uh, he's lost 11 of his last 12 games as a head coach. And then you play the Bills, um, you know, October 16th, and, and they're coming off a loss. But we know how talented they are. And then it's at the 49ers. My point is this month of October schedule, those are your four October games, at Tampa Bay, the Raiders and the Bills at home, and at the 49ers. There's no, there's no gimme in, in those four weeks. Even the Raiders have enough talent to turn things around. So... I'll be real interested to see what Kansas City looks like um, this Sunday against Tampa Bay. we got to take another quick break. We'll wrap the show up when we come back with discussing the Denver Broncos in one of the more, I'll be nice and say intriguing, 
uh, Sunday night football games I've watched in a long time, or football games in general. Uh, but we'll talk about their win over the San Francisco 49ers on the other side. You're listening to In the Zone on 1150 KSAL. Final segment of In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 as well on your FM dial as we uh, wrap up the show with some Denver Broncos talk and there's a lot <laughs> that we could talk about uh, for the Denver Broncos, and there's not a lot of it, unfortunately, that is that good, other than the fact that they somehow, some way, found a way to win last night 11-10. to 10. And funny enough, that that is not a scorigami. I don't know if you're a nerd like I am, James, but when you have weird football games, the best part is when it's a scorigami, where that the final score has never happened before in NFL history. Well, 11 to 10 has happened once before. So it was not a scorigami. And the second thing is that with that victory and the Chargers losing and the Chiefs losing, the Denver Broncos are tied for first place in the AFC West. Yeah, and, wild. And, you know, it, it it hasn't been pretty, but Russell Wilson called a, a game that featured nine three and outs, no touchdown passes, only one hundred and twenty six yards passing combined. Uh, he called it a thing of beauty, and said that there's so much more greatness in store, and I can't wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> and he he went on to compliment uh. the defense, just so cheesy, but you know the the defense was phenomenal. And the, the 49ers, I thought, would be a little bit more polished. And really, I thought the 49ers would win this game. So because of that, I, I think it's a big win for Denver. And it's not how you get there. It's just can you get there. And you're right. This team, as ugly as it's been, you know, they're 2-1. and one. And the, the thing that's a little bit scary if you're uh, a Chiefs fan or a fan of somebody else in the AFC West is Denver's defense is humming. If they get the offense going at all, like if they could even score 20 points a game. They haven't hit 20 yet this season. Their their season high is 16 in a loss to Seattle in a win against the Texans. If they could just score 3 touchdowns a game, that's going to be good enough to win because of their ball control offense and just how explosive and and locked down that no-fly zone is uh, on defense. So they've got the Raiders coming up next, a team that's in disarray. Then they play the Colts at home. This could be a spot where Denver might be able to actually get a little bit of momentum. But I didn't watch any of the game, but just the fact that I thought the Niners were that much better with Jimmy G. Sounds like I didn't miss much. I was hooked on House of Dragon, the new Game of Thrones spinoff. Finally getting caught up on that after I got home about 9.30 last night. Um, But a win's a win, man. A win's a win. I I watched every play last night. Why would you do that? Um, Why would you do that, Jackson? I wanted to gouge my eyes out at times. (laughs) But I did also come away with one of the more hilarious football plays like in my memory now uh, of all time. And it was because Jimmy Garoppolo pulled a Dan Orlovsky yeah. where he just simply ran out of the back of the end zone, scrambling like out of a sack or whatever. He, he just backed up and forgot that he was in his own end zone and, and stepped out of the back for a safety, which in turn led to the Broncos win, by the way. Yeah. Um, but this brings me to your point about them playing the Raiders next. That game 
I didn't, I mean, division games are always important, but because of what has happened in the last couple of weeks where the Broncos are now somehow 2-1 and one, and the Raiders are 0-3, oh if the Broncos win that game, they will have effectively eliminated the, the Raiders already. Already. But if the Raiders can win that game, the, the division from 1-4 to four is still very much in play. But if you are the Raiders, you cannot lose to a Broncos team that has looked literally inept on offense because you have an offense. And although the Raiders' offense the other or yesterday didn't look as good as it has maybe to, in the other games to start, they still had a chance to win, and they've had a chance to win in all three of their games and probably should have won the, the first two. But if they go 0-4, you're very right. Their head coach may get fired already, and they'll basically be eliminated from the playoffs because you, I don't think there's ever been there. I, I shouldn't say that. There, it's very rare that a team goes 0 and 4 and somehow makes the playoffs, and it's definitely not happening in this division. It's just not. Right. No, I agree. And again, this was a tough spot for the Raiders. The Raiders, I think, were a better team. I think the Raiders are probably a better team than at least two of the three losses that they've had. But again, this was a Titans team that lost week one at home in embarrassing fashion to the Giants. And then week two got stomped at Buffalo and just ran into a Thursday night buzzsaw. They were mad and they were playing in front of their home crowd. So you you knew that it was a tough spot for the Raiders. And now it's a tough spot for the Broncos. Yeah, the Broncos have looked better, but the Raiders had a chance to beat the Chargers in L.A. week one. They lose to the Cardinals in one of the craziest finishes you'll ever see in in, in, in overtime on a picks on a, a scoop and score fumble recovery. The Raiders should have won that game, by the way. The Cardinals scored 16 points in the fourth quarter, got two touchdowns and two two-point conversions in the final eight minutes of that game. And then, like I said, they, they won in overtime on a scoop and score. Uh, a defensive back got loose down the sideline after a receiver fumbled and ran it back like 80 yards for a touchdown. The Raiders were driving. They were about to kick a field goal and win that game. So uh, the the all the close losses, if I'm Denver – you know, I'm pretty concerned about this matchup because Derek Carr, yeah, his quarterback rating hasn't been great, but it's better than Russell Wilson. I know Devontae Adams isn't super pumped about the limited targets that he's getting, but, you know, teams are just zeroing in on him. And, you know, the the it's just he's on a new team. It's going to take a little while, I think, for him and, and Carr to develop that chemistry that they had in college at Fresno State. Um, let's see. The line, by the way, is the Raiders by two. Yeah, I figured they'd be favored. Um and, and I agree with everything you said. Nobody is starting 0-4. The Raiders might already be out of it at 0-3. Um, I, yeah. I think that, you know, as... Some of the... Uh, sorry to cut you no, off. You're right. the, one of the metrics that I use to look at NFL games is Massey ratings. Is a, I find it to be a great resource. uses a lot of math and advanced analytics to kind of project final scores and, and game results gives them now a 46% chance of winning against the Broncos. So they are favored to go 0-4. And, and oh, by the way, they play the Chiefs after that, like we've talked about. Only 28% chance to win that one. Their, their rating, now their projected win-loss is just awful. They may not win five games if all goes according to this metric, which it won't, but still, they're projected to lose 21-19 to to the Broncos. Yeah. Well, they're not going to make the playoffs. And the Chargers, you know, I think they're in some trouble as well because of Justin Herbert and those those that rib injury that he's dealing with. He tried to play through it, which I think was a mistake. He should yeah. have rested against the Jaguars. They got crushed. Uh, they're not the same team without him. 
So those, I think that we're starting to see a little bit of separation in the AFC West. And I will also say that I don't think this division's as good as we thought it was going to be coming into the season. Um, there are some questionable losses. You know, I, I brought up the injuries. The Broncos have, have looked like a team that, that's not worthy of being in the playoffs. And the Chiefs had a, have a bad loss at the Colts. And the Chiefs are, are very lucky to be 2-1. and one. Let's call it what it is. And then just looking at the rest of the AFC, the Bills are stacked. The Dolphins might be the best team in the league right now. Um, you know, the Browns are 2-1. and one. They get Deshaun Watson week 11. The Ravens are 2-1. and one. The Bengals haven't woken up yet. The Jaguars might be the surprise of the AFC. The Titans are below 500, but they have pieces. You know, this is this is there are good teams in other divisions in the AFC that are a lot better than I think people thought. Yep, and the the biggest one for me, like I, I thought the Dolphins would be good. I did not anticipate them being what they have looked like through totally three agree. weeks, especially with beating Buffalo yesterday. With e- even as close as it was, it was still um, very jarring for me to see that what happened on the field there yesterday but uh, that's just about going to wrap things up any parting words James we got about 30 seconds uh 30 seconds parting words Big 12 released their basketball schedule we can talk a little bit about that later in the week yeah we can basketball season will be here quickly so KU and K-State their full schedule is out awesome those are parting words (laughs) he's James Wessling I'm Jackson Schneider we'll see you tomorrow at 515 here on In the Zone